Hi, my name is Phoebe Wilkinson and I am a beauty therapist, or if you're from outside of Australia, also known as an esthetician. I have over 10 years experience working within a range of different businesses, including hair and beauty salons, makeup artistry studios, day spas, skin clinics, and registered training organizations, teaching government accredited beauty qualifications, and as of more recently, moving overseas and experiencing working for a Turkish Moroccan inspired day spa and luxurious body range company called Sella in the heart of Toronto, Canada. Whether you are studying beauty therapy, have been a beauty professional for 10 years or more, own a business within the beauty industry, or have a general interest in the beauty world, then this podcast is for you. I wanted to create a platform for beauty professionals to come together to help inspire and empower, to encourage us to come together as a family rather than always competing with each other, somewhere where we can discuss topics like retailing techniques, education, staff management, active ingredients, marketing, industry expectations, and a whole heap more. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Beauty Code. We have some really exciting news for Queensland in Australia this week, being that the beauty industry can now open for services as of next week. Uh, By the time this podcast airs, uh, we'll probably have already been a week or so, but very exciting times. Uh, Hopefully New South Wales isn't too far behind and then hopefully Toronto for myself isn't too far behind them either. Um, But yes, uh, definitely a time to celebrate that we're finally seeing phases released where things are slowly getting back to normal. But today's episode is going to be about common issues that we have within the workplace that I have both personally experienced, but also have had other beauty therapists, colleagues and students all have similar experiences with as well. Um, I felt that this would be a good platform to discuss some things that unfortunately the beauty industry does seem to be renowned for. I have a few topics that I guess both fall under being an employee and also an employer. So everyone listening in should definitely benefit. Um, I just want to stress that I'm not trying to be, I guess, one-sided, but these are just purely my opinions and advice if you find yourself in any of these situations. And I just think it's an important conversation, I guess, that needs to be had. It is inevitable that, you know, listeners will disagree with maybe things that I say. Um, If that is you and there's a few topics that, you know, you want to point something at and, you know, share your side of the story or what you what you disagree with and why I would would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact me. Um, bring it to my attention because I do want to create a very, you know, safe space to, to help each other, guide each other, um, even empower each other. And that's the whole point of this podcast. So hopefully you get something out of today. I do find um, there is, you know, a lot to be discussed within the industry. And this might be for someone that's new to the industry and wanting to know maybe pros and cons. Um, it might be for someone that's been in the industry a long time and you know they want to hear other sides of the stories or opinions when it comes to different topics or you might be someone that 
you know, need some advice because you have been in this situation before, or you just want something relatable and, you know, be made feel to be seen. So um, let's get started. My first topic that I want to cover today is not getting paid superannuation. Unfortunately, this is very common within the beauty industry, well, especially uh, within Australia, not so much other countries as far as I know. Canada is a little bit different when it comes to superannuation, so I can only assume that you know other countries overseas are probably similar and have their own, I guess, schemes. But in Australia, your superannuation is a retirement account or retirement fund that you pay into. And by law, your employer has to uh, pay, I think it's a minimum of 12% into your superannuation account. So it is actually illegal if you are not getting those payments into your superannuation account. Um, It is important and that I guess that's why it's important that you are on top of your payments into your superannuation and that you uh, bring it up or that you action it if something is wrong, if the payments are incorrect or if they're not going in at all. So I actually have experienced this myself. It was a long time ago now um, and it was new owners that came into the salon that I had worked in for quite a while. I'd never had problem with it in the past. And then all of a sudden I wasn't getting any payments into my superannuation account. Um, And this happened for quite a long time. I had discussed it with other staff members. I don't know if that's something that I should recommend, but it was actually brought to my attention by another staff member um, checking if I had been getting the payments and I hadn't. So What I usually recommend to, I guess, other beauty therapists or students when this does come up within the industry is, I guess, give the business the opportunity to, you know, fix the problem um, to to begin with. Um, You know, you never know why there may have been a glitch or there may have been some sort of miscommunication or some misunderstanding and they can fix it and it won't be a problem. So I always recommend, depending on the type of salon that you're in, if you have a HR um, management, then you would go to them. If you have a direct manager that looks after you, you would go to her or him. If you have a business owner that doesn't have a management team and they're your normal go-to, then obviously you would go to them. So whoever your first port of call is, you would approach them and explain to them that you have noticed that you haven't been getting any payments into your superannuation account. I usually would give them the opportunity and if nothing really comes from it or I've asked maybe more than twice, that's when I would go to my next step. And my next step would obviously be if you were talking to a manager or HR, you would go to the owner of the business. If you have already been seeing the owner of the business and still nothing, then the final step is to actually approach uh, Fairtrade. Now, I actually did have to go to Fairtrade um, for my situation that I was in quite a while back and they did actually make the business back pay me. So uh, I was successful, I guess, um, but I, I 
left that salon not long after and I, I got quite a large payment that was back paid for the superannuation that I was missing. But to be honest with you, I still think there may have been a small amount that I still, uh, I guess, didn't receive because just of timing and not really following up any more payments because it just got too too hard and I was moving and going to an, um, another employment. So yes, uh, but the most important thing if you are ever in this situation is go by those steps, you know, go to whoever your first port of call is, go to then the last port of call within the business, whether that be the business owner. And then if you're still not happy with the result, if you're still not seeing anything change, then go to fair work. Because like I was saying, it is a, a legal matter and they will get fined if they aren't doing, I guess, payments properly. So it's really important that you are on top of this. I have had other beauty therapists in the past not really worry about it because they don't think that it's a lot of money that they're missing out on. But it, one, it builds up obviously within your account over, you know, the 30 years or so that you're working and or or longer, 30, 40, 50 years, however long it is. Um, and that amount of money is going to make a significant difference when it comes to the time that you are using your superannuation money. So make sure you're on top of it. Okay, guys. So my next point is not getting lunch breaks. We work so hard. We work long hours. We're on our feet most of the day. It really is important that you have a break to at least, you know, just stop eat something, use the bathroom, you know, what breaks are actually meant for and why um, it is illegal, again, not to provide breaks for your staff. Some workplaces, you know, everyone's a little bit different as to how their break system works, but I've been in places that will give me like a full hour for my lunch break. Some will give you maybe just half an hour, but they'll have like a 15 minute morning tea break or afternoon break. Some will only give you the half hour. Um, Sometimes, you know, you're meant to have lunch uh, breaks, but managers, you know, squeeze uh, in clients because it's only, you know, a quick eyebrow wax that apparently doesn't take the 15 minutes it normally takes. Or sometimes our breaks are as soon as we arrive in the morning or uh, right at the end of the day. So you still haven't had a break. And the purpose of a break is to break up your day. So depending on the situation will depend on how you feel. uh, But listen to your body and make sure you bring up this with management. If you are unhappy or in pain, it may be time to find somewhere that will accommodate you better. Saying that I have worked in places that I'm happy with the policies and procedures around breaks. And it's been, you know, once in a blue moon that I haven't got a break. Um, and then I usually just leave it because I know it doesn't normally happen. So this is something that I guess you need to to kind of take on board yourself, weigh up the pros and cons, work out what works for you. Um, personally, you know, I never found that I needed a full hour. And if I was only having 
half hour breaks and it meant that it was more money in my pocket um, but at the same time a full hour sometimes was really good as well because it gave me the extra time that I needed depending on you know the job that I was doing um, and it just varies and if you find that whatever your workplace is providing you isn't suiting you it's just something that you need to discuss with your boss because it might be something that you they can alter a little bit. It may not be, you know, adding time, but it might be time frames that you're having your break within, or you might be um, raising issues that you have with, you know, managers maybe sneaking in appointments or that you need to have an extra, you know, 15 minutes within the morning or the afternoon if you're not getting enough of an actual break at lunchtime, those little things. So my advice obviously for this would be, if you're not happy, if you're not getting any lunch break at all, then that's just simply wrong. Um, I have been in situations, there was one um, salon that I was working for that from, I worked Tuesday through to Saturday, so any weekdays, so it was Tuesday to Friday, um, I always got a one hour lunch break. So I remember feeling very um, lucky that I was getting a full hour and it was always at, an at I guess, an inappropriate, like, uh, uh, sorry, I'm going to start again, at an appropriate time so it was always around lunchtime and I guess I felt you know I guess spoiled which is probably so wrong because no other industry would feel spoiled for getting an hour lunch break at lunchtime but unfortunately that's just how our industry is but this this one workplace on Saturdays did require us to work through the whole day without a lunch break. However, I guess they kind of explained it as you get a full hour every day during the week. And on a Saturday, because we want to work back to back, they provided lunch for us so that we could quickly eat something in between our clients whenever it suited us. So there wasn't marked out time, but they did supply the lunch and they did allow us to eat it whenever we needed to in between clients. So I was happy with that, but someone else may not be. And that's just, uh, I guess, one example as to why it may not suit you or why you are happy to kind of adjust and work with the policies and procedures of the salon around lunch breaks. So if this is something, I guess, that you want particular advice on, depending on what your situation is, definitely feel free to contact me and I can always help. This point is actually something that we discussed a couple of episodes back in the retailing episode. Um, it is not having a realistic target or not getting rewarded by hitting your targets. So look, at the end of the day, you need to bring this up in a way that expresses your motivation to do well for the spiral clinic that you actually work for. Uh, if you're not motivated to hit targets, then the business will lose money as well. So you need to discuss, I guess, with your manager or whoever your go-to person is in a way that it's meant to be beneficial for them and not necessarily you, that you're not making you know, enough money or that you don't feel rewarded or recognized. What you want to do is explain to whoever your go-to person that you feel that you would be more motivated if you had more realistic uh, expectations or targets and if you had some sort of different reward system and explain to them that if you were more motivated then you would then be providing them with more income so and this may not be a matter of just you know 
decreasing the target or it might not be a matter of just increasing the amount of money but it might be a matter of them coming up with a solution like having other systems in place as well as a system that they already have in place so it might be like a little healthy competition within the spa monthly or you know something along those lines amongst staff to help you feel I guess more motivated to sell product to hit those targets um, and make sure that you feel acknowledged so that's what my recommendation would be is to just if you are in a situation bring this up with whoever you need to bring it up with and come up with a few solutions for them to look at as well okay so not getting paid for after hours this happens a lot. I personally haven't let it really bother me in the past and even now. If I have to arrive early without getting paid to prepare for my clients or even students when I was teaching, that was always my decision and it meant that my day was going to run a lot smoother. Um, so it was always for me and to make sure I didn't have a stressful day at work. You know, if I ran late with clients or had to stay back with a student, I also never minded because I love what I do. And, you know, if it means I'm being thorough and good at what I do, then an extra 15 minutes to me at the end of the day isn't a big deal. However, if you are being required to start and finish at a particular time, but not getting paid, then that is more of an issue. You know, every workplace will require you to, of course, arrive, you know, 10 minutes before your shift, put your, you know, bag away and freshen up, look at, look at your services for the day, etc. But if your starting time is, say, 8.45 a.m., um, and if your first client you know, and then your first client's at 9am, then you should be arriving at at least probably around 8.35 because that's your 10 minutes before your starting time. And then you'd be getting paid from 8.45. So I have heard of situations that there's, you know, people's starting times is 8.45, but they're not actually getting paid till 9am. And if that was the case, then yeah, I would be just arriving at 8.45. And even then it, it really shouldn't be, a time frame that you're required to start at work. Your your working times need to be set and then you are then arriving, however, you know, as a minimum 10 minutes early to kind of get yourself prepared. But if you're having to stay behind, you know, for a client who wasn't booked in or you were overbooked by 15 or 30 minutes, doesn't matter, then you should be getting paid. So when I said before that, you know, if, if I'm running late and I've went over 15 minutes with my last client, it doesn't really bother me because one, it's my fault anyway, but it means that, you know, I'm obviously being thorough and good at what I do, etc. It doesn't, it doesn't really worry me. Um, but if I've purposely been booked out after hours and I'm expected to stay back and do a service, even if it's just an eyebrow wax, then I'm expected to be paid. So it's just, I guess, depending on how you look at it again, um, when you start a job, you need to really make sure that you clarify the hours that you are getting paid and how your breaks work, how starting and finishing times work, etc. Even cleanup time, that type of thing as well. Um, it should all be, you know, very clear within your interview or at least within your orientation and your paperwork as well. So, again, it's something that some people may have more of an issue with than maybe what I do, but um, it's just something that you need to weigh up and something that you need to make sure that you understand well before starting a new position. 
Next point is bullying or not having a family-like environment. So something that I was told when I became a beauty therapist was you spend more time with your colleagues than with your family. And it's something that's just always stuck with me and made me realize how important having support and relationships at work were. You know, I'm not saying that you have to have, you know, you have to be a family or be best friends because yes, sometimes that can cause more issues, especially when, you know, lines are crossed at work, but you do need to make sure you get along with other staff members and that you all have each other's best intentions. If you feel like, you know, you're being excluded from groups at work or you have situations, you know, like um, walking into staff rooms and everyone stops talking to you or just stops talking in general, etc., then you need to bring this up with your manager. If you are a manager, please make sure that you make, you know, aware to your staff that you are always an open door that you have an open door policy for them and that they can come to you about anything at any time if you don't know about you know certain issues within the spa then there's nothing you can do about it and your staff need to know this as well so by doing this you need to reassure your staff that the way you deal or help with situations will be a way that they are always comfortable with and can be discussed. I know in the past I have felt uncomfortable going to managers or bosses because I felt like they are only going to, you know, go to the person that I'm worried about and tell them that I dobbed them in, I guess, or that I'm worried about something about them, where I could have just done that myself, um, obviously, if I was comfortable doing so. So it kind of defeats the whole purpose. Some examples of solutions that, you know, don't bring uh, to other staff members' attention that a particular person went to you is by firstly bringing it up maybe as a group. So the next staff meeting that you have, you could say something along the lines of like, okay, guys, I've been noticing that there has been groups forming and I absolutely you know, encourage friendships, but please make sure that you're including everyone, make sure no one is left out and you know, be mindful of people's feelings. And if the issue then still continues, you could then do your, like you go to the next step and talk to that particular staff member that might be, you know, more of the perpetrator or, you know, the particular people that are, I guess, the issue is surrounding and explain that you have noticed that, um, I get, yeah, that you have noticed in particular or that you have concerns that maybe they're leaving people out, um, you can always ask the person that came to you about the issue, like when they talk to you about it, discuss what they would like you to do as well. So there's always other ways of going about things and there's always other solutions other than just, you know, going to the other person and being like such and such has told me that you're doing this and then, you know, or making her feel this way, etc. As I was saying before, you know, no one wants to work in an environment that, you know, they spend five out of seven days um, unhappy. And if you have an unhappy staff, then you are going to have other issues rise as well. So hopefully that helps a little bit too. Okay, so competition with other staff members. This kind of follows on from the last one. And if you have people around you that 
want what's best for you and the spa, then this really shouldn't happen, but it can. So I have experienced other, you know, beauty therapists upset that they, you know, are paid the same or less than me. Other therapists try to claim clients as theirs. Other therapists claim, you know, walk-in retail sales as theirs because they were at the front desk at the time, but they were, you know, the client that actually walked in was your facial client from last week and was purchasing your recommendations. You know, other therapists or staff members saying demeaning comments, you know, or maybe, you know, they might be saying demeaning comments to someone that has a different position, like a housekeeper or a receptionist. I actually had... um a hairdresser tell me once how much harder hairdressing was than beauty therapy and that she thought my job was practically a joke. Um, And look, I'm sure that same hairdresser wouldn't have been able to tell me probably one ingredient in the retail that she recommended or the stages of hair growth, whatever. Um, You know, it's not, I'm not saying that hairdressing, I guess, is harder or isn't harder or easier, but it is a form of bullying, you know, and if it is, whatever the issue is, if you have competition, then it needs to be brought to your manager's attention. If your manager doesn't know, again, there's nothing that your manager can do about it. So if it doesn't stop, you know, and there are no consequences, or you just are not comfortable, then, you know, it might be time to look elsewhere. And this isn't just, you know, if there's competition within the spa or salon. I just mean bullying in general. So again, it's something that you just need to bring to your manager's attention. Um, And if you feel confident enough without creating, I guess, a fight, but if you feel comfortable enough to express how you feel to that person without, yeah, causing issues, you could simply just say like, look, that really hurt my feelings. Or you could turn around and say to people that, are potentially, you know, leaving you out of things, you could say, guys, like, I feel really left out. Or, you know, ask them, like, have I done something wrong? You know, I feel like, you know, this and this is happening. So you can take matters into your own hands sometimes, absolutely. And I would recommend that. But don't go about it in a defensive or aggressive way, rather than going, you always leave me out of things, I'm not happy, or you're so mean to me, etc. It's just not really the way to go about it. But if you feel comfortable enough to just express how you feel and listen to their response, then that actually might be better as well. Okay, so not moving forward as an apprentice or moving too quickly. I didn't do an apprenticeship when I studied, but I have taught apprentices and have had experiences um, with apprentices under me um, in spas and clinics. Apprentices, you know, they also need motivation and, and they need someone to aspire to. You know, make sure you are that person for them. If you are an apprentice, make sure you find that rock, that person that, you know, supports you and that you can look up to as well. Many workplaces will leave apprentices to just, you know, sweep floors and clean bathrooms, turn over rooms or be on front desk. While yes, this is part of the role, but it's also part of everyone's role at the spa. It's not just for the apprentice. The apprentice needs to be making sure that they are learning, you know, every day that they are at work and practicing the services they have already learned within their education. 
you know, then you you have the opposite problem where, you know, you might have a new apprentice who hasn't even started manis and petties at college yet, but is already doing facials for full price paying clients. If you feel, you know, confident enough as an apprentice and feel you've had, I guess, the amount of education or training that you need, I mean, I guess that's fine. But there, and there is definitely pros to being thrown in the deep end. But if you're not qualified or you haven't finished a particular unit, you know, within the course, you really shouldn't be performing the treatments, especially at full price. This is just, I guess, something that, you know, if you're in this situation that, again, you kind of just have to weigh up the pros and cons and see what you feel comfortable with, express to your manager um, that you don't feel comfortable doing certain things. Or if you feel like you're being held back, you need to bring that up as well. Okay, so my next point is something called TFP. So it's essentially working for free. Um, What TFP stands for is time for prints. It's meant to be an effective way of business promoting um, each other. So the photographer, you know, shoots for free, the model models for free, the makeup and hair services are done all for free so that all businesses involved get these professional photos. In theory, everyone wins um, because you end up with these beautiful photos of your work that you can promote your business with. And when the photographer or model posts the shots, then they are also meant to be tagging you and promoting your work as well, vice versa. I have done so many of these shoots over the years and honestly, I think it was literally like once that I ever even saw a result on my social media. Um, the, The people that you are working with really need to have a platform for it to be effective and really need to make their posts specifically about how amazing your service was. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time, in my opinion. Um, I actually, the, the one shoot that I did that I did find effective and what I mean by effective is I actually gained quite a lot of followers out of it. And I did actually get inquiries about my services, etc. And that was with actually, she's a very good friend of mine, Lisa Trujillo active wear. And I did do a little bit of modeling for her at one stage as well. Um, but she had actually went out of her way after I did a TFP shoot with her she had posted specifically about me. So yes, you know, it was on her active wear line page and the model was in the active wear. So it benefited her as well, but she would actually post photos of me doing the makeup and she would actually post photos about my service. So she would say things like, you know, this is Phoebe or tag my business in it. Um, and she would actually say, I've been working with her for so long. She's amazing. Um, the photos always come out amazing, blah, blah, blah. Like she would actually give me a really, really good promotion. So, you know, unfortunately these TFP, TFP shoots, They're really common within the industry and I can't stress enough to you that if you are not confident that you will not get a good promotion for your business out of it, then make sure you are charging money for your services. With the shoots that I did with Lisa, um, at the end of the day, it was worth my time. Um, and I'm, I was very glad that I, that I did a TFP shoot with her and that I worked with her and I loved doing it. So, And I mean, if you work for a spa or salon clinic that has suggested you do these, the benefit uh, to it that, you know, the salon gets the shots for literally nothing, obviously, but 
you you do too and if you are new to the industry then that is actually probably the only time I would recommend doing them other than you know if you're confident that you're going to get awareness around your business Um, because it is actually a networking opportunity as well and you will get photos of your work of course too so if you're new to the industry and you need some content then of course that's a great opportunity to do that too so I guess as a result, I would only be recommending them or recommending these TFP shoots if you, you know, are confident that the other businesses are going to be providing you good recognition, you know, clients and followers, or if you are new to the industry and could do with some professional photos of your work. Okay, so the next one is not being allowed to call in sick. Or I guess frowned upon if you do call in sick. Uh, This is a bit of a touchy subject, I feel. Like I can see both sides to this, like both from employers to employees. Look, some businesses are more understanding than others as well. If you have a workplace that has created and enforced a mentality that is simply, you know, not okay to call in sick unless you are literally dying and in hospital, And that is not okay. And I have been there. You know, I remember calling in sick to my first job when I was like 15 and crying because I was so ill. But to be honest, it probably wasn't because I was actually in pain that I was crying. It was more the fact that I had so much anxiety about calling my boss um, that I was crying over the phone telling telling them that I wasn't able to come in, even though I knew, you know, that I was un- I was too unwell to work and that I was entitled to my sick leave. You know, I, had, I also had never taken time off before. And, you know, I called well before I started to allow enough time for other arrangements to be made. I really shouldn't have had anything to worry about, but obviously I did. If you are someone that, you know, doesn't abuse the system and is genuine, then you should have absolutely nothing to worry about. It's not fair that we get made to feel this way when we are unwell. Most of the time when you do come into work sick, to be honest, like your your colleagues and clients will complain that you are contagious anyway. So you like, you can't win. Um, It's still important to consider others, obviously, in your workplace, like when you choose to call in sick, if you do just have, you know, a slight headache or it's that time of the month, you take a painkiller, drink some water, you know, and just see how you go first. And of course, I'm not saying if you get migraines or you have severe pain, like especially if you're someone that suffers from something like endometriosis, like I'm, I'm not um, saying that I'm talking about literally like just a slight headache or if it, it is just that time of the month and you've got you know regular pain that we all get. Um, just take into consideration that this doesn't just affect your boss. It affects who you work with and most importantly, your clients as well. Um, if it's something that is just a little bit of discomfort that you can work through and that you can, you know, help with painkillers or that you just need to drink some more water or eat, (laughs) um, you know, that can happen regularly within the industry as well, because we do work back to back and these things do happen. And like I said, I'm not talking about if you get migraines or severe pains like endo, etc. But yes, if it is something just, you know, something that you think that you could probably fix or work through, then maybe, maybe consider not, you know, not inconvenienting other people. Um, It's also important that, you know, you abide by your sales policies and procedures. If they require a certain amount of time before calling in sick, then make sure you give that. Obviously, I think 
most workplaces will understand if you are in a circumstances that you couldn't provide that time um you know if it's just a one-off but you know you've done your best then I think that's fine but obviously majority of the time you should always be able to abide by those policies and procedures some workplaces will require you to look for your own coverage make sure you try everything and everyone um you can but obviously before calling your boss some places won't require that you just have to abide by yeah like i said your policies and your procedures okay so no cleanup or turnover time let me make this very clear you are very lucky if you get turnover time over the 10 years of working in the industry i have never had turnover time or even known of a salon that does until i actually arrived in canada my current workplace allows staff to have 15 minutes in between each appointment so this allows us to use the time however we we wish really whether that be you know cleaning our room setting up for our next appointment retailing recording notes on client files grabbing a quick bite or drink between our clients Um, and it just allows even a little leeway if we are running late for our next client it's obviously not made for that but it's made for turnover so that we can provide a full service for the client without having to incorporate I guess time for them to get undressed and get dressed and consultations and all that kind of stuff and it just so it allows that full service time and then it allows us time to pack up from that client and then turn the room over and set up for our next client so you're also then never running late and then obviously you can use the time in between as well if you have you know if you've already prepared for your next client or you haven't needed that much time to turn over from whatever service it was that you're doing you know you have the opportunity to have time to actually retail to clients and to make notes if you need to make notes and it's just Personally, I actually think it's probably a more effective way, but most businesses in Australia anyway would look at this to be time that adds up to potentially like, you know, one or two hours of paid salary with no paying client at the end of the day. But like I said, I honestly, I think that with the the more time, it actually gives the opportunity to make more money. Like I said, with retail and happy clients, not only does it ensure, you know, your staff are on time, rooms are properly prepared, services are always ensured to be, you know, not rushed. It, it gives more time for consults and retail, which is where we make most of our money, as we've discussed in previous podcasts as well. It's something that I would definitely encourage when returning to Australia. But to be honest, I just don't see Australia doing this for a number of reasons. Um, I will make a podcast in the future about the difference in overseas aesthetics, but because you work on commission and tips overseas, your base rate is a lot lower than in Australia. So you essentially earn about the same, if anything, um, have the opportunity to make more money overseas. But it does mean the business isn't paying you as much for those 15 minutes um, over t- like turnover times as maybe what you would get paid in Australia, if that kind of makes sense. Like I said, I'll, I'll do another podcast on like just the differences between working within the industry in different countries in the future. But yeah, I mean, if you're in a position where you can allow that for your staff, 
I honestly think it makes a business run better, smoother, and it's just more beneficial all around. Staying behind to do other staff's services or not being allowed to, I guess. So every salon and spa will have different policies as to what they allow when it comes to staff treatments. My personal opinion is that your staff, you know, are an advertisement of your own business. You know, you are an advertisement for your work and where you work. And there also should be just simply be some perks of working within the industry. As long as, you know, you are not working while having services done or giving services to other staff members, then I see no problem. If there are two staff members that want to do a treatment for each other before or after work, then I truly believe that they should be able to do that free of charge. You know, yes, they are using product, so it may cost the business a couple of dollars. However, in the scheme of things, they are also representing your brand and you require them to have these experiences as well. If a staff member wants to come in um, in their own time and they actually book to have a service done, then obviously a discounted rate is fine. Um, I wouldn't expect the business to just give out free services that way and be paying their staff. When it comes to purchasing products um, that you stock within the salon, I, I do believe that you know staff should be entitled to wholesale price. Again, you want to encourage your staff to promote the products you sell. It also is a really good way to reward staff with free product because it may make you more money in the long run. So like again, if you have like a competition or something, you can always, or you feel that someone's doing really well, you might want to give them a few little free products. I always check with my reps as well if the product lines um, can provide any free products product for the staff to try uh, you'd be surprised at how often they will provide everyone something free if not a whole range for free if you are in a workplace that doesn't give I guess anything that you know we just went over it's not great and it's hard to be passionate about what you're selling but I still don't believe it's something that you know you need to get upset about it's all about choosing your battles and there may be another reason why you love your workplace that overrides these issues however it's definitely something that could be brought to your manager attention manager's attention if done in the right way of course so you know you could explain to your manager that if you felt that you had the opportunity to do services on each other outside of working hours you know if you and uh, one of the other staff member want to come in and give each other a facial or give each other a manicure or give each other an eyebrow wax and explain to them how obviously yes it does benefit you guys but it will benefit them as well then i i see no problem in doing so this one's more for the employers or the managers, but it is grooming. So make sure that you have a very, very clear grooming standard. So when you do an interview or an orientation for a new employee, give them guidelines, make them very clear. So you could have a list of what your grooming expectations or policies are. So for example, you know, it might be that you have a strict slick bun hair policy, natural hair color, a bold lip with natural makeup application, uniform to be clean and maintained with no stains, holes or tears. 
If you um, don't provide a uniform, then you might want to state that all black, no cleavage, midriff, underarms or knees to be exposed, enclosed black shoes with no laces. That's something that um, I'm particular about. I don't, whenever I worked um, back in Australia, uh, I, I never really liked to see like sneakers, like or joggers. Um, I liked them to be still enclosed black shoes, but without, without laces was always one of my policies. Um, no chipped nail polish or, you know, nails longer than fingertips, also known as like no free edge. So if you want to allow your staff to have artificial nails, you might want to, um, just clarify how long they can be. No jewelry or like you might have only studs or fine necklaces allowed, um, obviously hygiene standards to be adhered to by wearing deodorant, brushing teeth and showering before work. You might have in there no smoking in uniform or during work hours. I cannot tell you how many times I have been in a workplace or went for an interview and this is not made clear what they require of course like I always adhere to what I just went over anyway but it prevents employees from misunderstanding the grooming guidelines if you do not want your staff wearing sneakers or leggings or have chipped nail polish then make that clear from the start or you may have a more relaxed modern approach where you want them to be in more casual wear I had an interview with a like a medi spa when I first arrived in Toronto um, and they were definitely more relaxed the girls were kind of in jeans and sandals and I would say they looked nice it was kind of like Sunday lunch vibes I guess they all dressed really nice but in my opinion it wasn't professional um and I I didn't like that but it made it very I guess it just it made it unclear as to what was appropriate and what wasn't. So I always like to make sure that it's clear because every salon is different as to how they want their staff to look. And when you go to salon to salon or spa to spa, what your I guess what your staff is used to might be different to what you want. So just make sure that that's very clear. And if you want to make changes, I think that's okay as well. If you want over time, you realize that you want a different type of uniform or a different type of look, you can express that and get them to sign something again, acknowledging that that's now the new requirements within a staff meeting. Okay, so again, for more of the employers and managers, but this one is phone use. Look, in this day and age, it, it's really difficult to monitor this. I think the most important thing is to make sure that phones are not taken into the treatment rooms. Make sure that all treatment rooms have, you know, a small clock hidden for the therapist to keep an eye on the time. So there is no excuse. If you, you know, if you have staff members waiting on an important call or message, you know, make sure that they know that they can give the salon's number or leave their phone with the front desk. If I had a staff member, you know, checking phone in between clients, I don't think I would really like that would really bother me, but it would probably bother me if I saw them just sitting and scrolling. Um, just, just be clear with what is okay and what is not. I have personally, you know, had conversations with clients whilst doing a manicure or pedicure where we are talking about pets or weddings or maybe something that I've cooked recently. 
And the client asks if I can show them a photo, um, which I've had to then go and get my phone to do so. Again, I think in these circumstances, like that's okay, but it needs to be very clear. It's very unprofessional for a client to see your phone. And I think like if there's been times where I've had clients, you know, might be a bride getting married and I recently, like I got married nearly 12 months ago now and I've been in situations where, you know, we've talked about it and then they've said, oh, do you have a photo of the bouquet that you had? And I'll say, oh, and I think if I grabbed my phone out of my pocket, that would look so unprofessional. So, uh, you know, uh, that's when I'll go, yep, like, yeah, yeah, I can show you. And then like when I get the chance, I can go get my phone from the staff room and, you know, show them what I want to show them. But then it's important, I think, to put it back straight away and, you know, still have that professional relationship where they're not seeing your phone um but yeah just be clear with your staff as to what's okay and what's not okay because someone else might disagree with that and think that that's still not okay um everyone will have a little bit of a a different opinion especially around phone use okay guys so i'm going to start to wrap up now I just really want to stress to you that, you know, at the end of the day, there is always going to be pros and cons of every workplace. This isn't a bad thing or, you know, mean that you are never going to find a workplace that you love because even when you do find a place that you love, owners will always run their businesses slightly different to how you would. It just means that if you are unhappy with how something is being done, you need to ask yourself if it affects you. And if you think it outweighs the pros of your workplace, you you may find another spa or clinic that doesn't do whatever the issue is where you work. However, you may you know find that they have other policies that you don't agree with. So you can you're the only one that can weigh up these pros and cons and choose your battles and make those decisions. So to finish up, I want to give you an example. So if you are in a workplace that maybe isn't paying you your superannuation, our first point today, and you have brought it to their attention multiple times, they don't give you breaks and you don't get along with other staff members, but the pros are that you love the products that you use, you think their promotions are effective, which makes it easy for you to build a clientele and the bonus scheme for retail is amazing, it still might be time to look for another job, in my opinion. But you might be in another situation. So another example would be if you don't like the opening hours of the salon, they require you to have very strict grooming. Um, You occasionally have to do the odd TFP photo shoot for free, which remember sometimes does benefit you personally too. But you get your lunch breaks, you get along with staff and you have a good leadership, then it may be best to overlook those cons. So I hope you guys enjoy today's podcast and, you know, if you have any questions or like I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, you know, any other points that you'd like to bring to my attention, I would love to hear from you. Um, I hope that you, I hope this helped in any way as well. Uh, Please don't forget to subscribe and Uh, leave comments and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. That would be amazing. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on the Beauty Code podcast. 
If you have any suggestions, topics or questions that you would like me to cover, please email me at thebeautycodepodcast at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram, which is thebeautycode.podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and I look forward to sharing many more with you. Remember to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when a new podcast is up and leave a review. Bye.